everyone. Welcome to a, another CSAM uh, Bible teaching session. I'm Evangelist Reed, and uh, our topic for this evening's session will be on the prodigal son. And I'm just going to go ahead and start off in prayer. Father God, I come to you this evening to say thank you for allowing us to join together to discuss your holy book, Lord. I pray that you please bless and guide me as I deliver this message on this evening. I pray that you please bless this message to be heard by, to be heard by and to be received by the, uh, your children, that, especially those who need to receive the Lord Jesus. I pray that you children in this day with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you please guide us. I pray that you please uh, pour into us more and more for us to be more like you and less of ourselves and less of the world. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Thank you, God. Thank you. 
was reduced to a state of extreme wretchedness. Yet he determined to do only to do anything rather than return to his father. So he, even though he is, uh, you know, experiencing turmoil, he's, he's not really uh, prospering with the life that he shows. After he decides to go on his own way, he's, you know, being prideful. He, he refuses to do, he refuses to return to his father. Though a Jew, he submitted for hire to the. Uh, of feeding swine. His wages, however, there being a grievous famine in the land, would not procure him even necessary In vain did he attempt to fill his belly with the husks intended for the swine. In vain did he solicit assistance from those who had known him in his more prosperous days. No man, either from gratitude or compassion, gave him any As the, such as the departure of sinners from the presence of their God. They have experienced the restraints of education, but have sighed for liberty and independence. With their growing years, they increasingly abuse the mercy which God has bestowed upon them. Their reason, their time, and other talents they employ in the service of sin. Though they do not all run to the same excess of riot, they live equally at a distance. God. So um, this touches on how a lot of sinners, um, you know, Christians, us as Christians, you know, there have a lot of times, there are times that uh, we depart from the word of God. We, we thank God for what he's blessed us with and we, you know, we choose our own path based on our own, uh, our own feelings toward a situation not necessarily having faith in God and, you know, asking God to do his will on earth as he does in heaven. We kind of just go on our own way when the entire time God is the reason and the blessing. So it's important that we don't seek our own independence, our own liberty so much to the point where God gives us the riches of his kingdom and we take them and we do what we want with it. At last, perhaps, they begin to feel the misery which their neglect of him has brought upon them. His providence, too, occurs with his grace to make a deeper wound in their conscience. But they try any carnal expedient rather than return to God. Nor can they ever be prevailed upon to, re to turn unto him, so they have fully proved the insufficiency of the creature to afford them help. So, a lot of times, you know, sinners who have been following God and then, you know, they may have gotten blessed with something that they prayed for and they, you know, turn the other way and now they're looking, they thank God for what they have and now they're looking towards the world like, oh, now I got a brand new car. I'm good from here. I can do my own thing. I can get from A to B and so on and so forth. Um, they don't, uh, Instead of thinking, you know, why don't I go back to the person who blessed me with this car and ask him what he wants me to do with it. Ask him to guide the way. Ask him to be my GPS. Because without him, I wouldn't even have the car. So they, they 
inside or look to other people, um, you know, of the world to kind of show them the way instead of going back to the blesser, which is God, with, you know, giving us the riches of his kingdom. Whatever they may think of themselves in such a state, they are really dead and lost. But the prodigal was not gone beyond recovery, as is evident from. Now I want to touch on his return. During his departure, he had been as a person destitute of reason. At last, however, coming to himself, he thought of his father's house. The various steps of his return are worthy of notice. He first reflected on the folly and madness of his former ways and on the incomparably happier state of those who lived under his father's roof and whom perhaps he once despised for submitting to such restraints. He then resolved that he would return to his father and implore his forgiveness. So this touches on how, um, you know, although there's rules in the kingdom, even the rules that, you know, the, the commandments that God has laid out, the rules he has set for us to follow, although there are rules, there is freedom. Um, he who the Son set free is free indeed. Amen. You know, God sets us free of so many things. He gives us a peace and a joy in our spirit that, you know, is incomparable to anything that man, woman, earthly things, material things, is, is so much deeper in the peace that we're provided and the blessings that we are afforded from God are so much more, they're so much more prosperous, they're so much better for us. Although he has rules, um, the rules are not to punish us. The rules are to allow us to be, uh, you know, remain in salvation for our souls to be saved. Having formed the purpose, arose to carry it into execution. Destitute as he was, he set off to obtain, if possible, the lowest office amongst his father's servants. These exactly describe the steps of a sinner's return to God. He first began to see how madly and wickedly he had acted. So first, um, you know, when we, a lot of times in our walk with Christ, there's a time where, you know, if we're raised in the church, if we're raised as Christians, we kind of just, you know, walk in the Lord, you know, knowing what we know. There may be a time when, before we get to know the Lord for ourselves, there's a time, a lot of times in our lives that, um, or I say a lot of Christians' lives, where we, uh, you know, we kind of, we kind of stray off because we haven't found the Lord for ourselves. We're doing what we have been taught. We're doing, we're doing what our parents have, you know, the information our parents have provided us, what our parents had us in church every Sunday, or, you know, just, um, you know, things like that. Um, we have to get to know God and form a relationship for ourselves. And a lot of times before we actually do that, you know, we can sometimes go astray. And then we realize the, the wickedness that has overcome us, the the death of our soul, the death of our spirit, um, you know, we feel that and we get a conviction, um, you know, to return back to 
the Lord's kingdom and really develop our relationship with God and, um, you know, cultivate that relationship so that way we are, uh, we can remain saved. We can be saved by the Lord, you know, upon his return. And he considers, so, yeah, so first uh, sinners, you know, begin to see how madly and wickedly they have acted. Uh, he feels that he has reduced himself to a wretched and perishing condition. So a lot of times we get to feel that conviction and where we feel like, um, you know, we, we're ruined. We have taken it too far world is like we're so deep in it feels like you know our soul is being crushed you know de- depression creeps up and um you know things like that um he considers how happy are those once despised people who enjoy the favor of his heavenly father and how happy he himself should be if he might but obtain the, the meanest place in his family And with these views, he determines to abase himself as a vile, self-loving creature. There are no terms so humiliating, but he finds them suited to his case. He is rather fearful of not humbling himself sufficiently than of aggravating his sin too much. He resolves that he will go to a throne of grace and ask for mercy, nor will he wait for any more convenient season lest he should perish before the hope for season arrives. And with that being said, you know, it's important that when we do feel that conviction to return to the Lord, to repent of our sins, it's important that we do that, you know, as a now thing, not as something we can schedule, not something we can, oh, after my 25th birthday, I'm going to do this. Oh, after I have my kids, I'm going to do this. Again, after I get a good job, I'm going to do this. It, it ha- When you feel that conviction, you know, we have to go to the Lord and repent and, you know, ask for forgiveness of our sins and ask that the Lord, um, you know, heal our soul from, you know, spiritual death. He is ashamed indeed to go in so mean and a destitute condition, but he despairs of ever going in any other way. He therefore breaks through all the engagements he has made with sin and Satan and goes with all his guilt upon him his God and Savior. He now perhaps may be deemed mad by his former companions, but he should rather be considered as now coming to himself. The effect of the prodigal's repentance appears in his reception. His father, it seems, was watching hopefully for his return. On his first appearance, his father ran to show his goodwill towards him. The sight of the remaining of the returning son caused the fathers to yearn over him, nor would he suffer an upbraiding word to escape his lips. When the prodigal began his confession, the father interrupted him with kisses, and not only would not hear the whole of his confession, but he would not even hurt his feelings by saying that he pardoned him. He ordered the best robe with shoes and a ring to be instantly put upon him, and killed the, the fatted calf in order to celebrate the joyful occasion. What a delightful representation does this give of the reception which penitents find with God. God longs for our salvation even while uh, we are at a distance from him. 
and instead of frowning on the prodigal, he receives him with joy. So God is, you know, happy that we are coming back to him. Although we may have fell off the wagon, although we may have, you know, gotten spiritually spiritually lost, um, he loves knowing that, you know, we have returned back to his kingdom. And um, instead of upbraiding him with his folly, he feels upon his soul a sense of pardon. He arrays him in robes of, of righteousness and garments of salvation. He adorns, adorns him in a manner suited to the relation into which he is brought. He provides for his future comfortable and upright conversation. He rejoices over him as recovered from the dead and makes it an occasion of festivity to all the angels in heaven. So I would like to go ahead and close this evening's message in prayer. Father God, we thank you for allowing us to join together and uh, discuss your uh, discuss your words on this evening. I pray for your children who are feeling lost um, mentally, spiritually. I pray that they are guided back to your kingdom, Lord. Please bless them with a grace and a comfort in their hearts to know that they can always come back to you, Lord, in repentance. And that you are not here to, uh, um, to, you know, you are not here to batter any of our sins or anything like that. You want us to be set free, Lord. I pray that you please allow your children to know that in this day. Please bless a peace to come into the hearts of those who are feeling um, lost and astray. I pray that you please guide them and allow them to hear a message or just to be um, blessed with your light, Lord Jesus, whether it comes in the form of a Bible scripture or, you know, one of your... Uh, one of your kingdom workers, one of us, Lord Jesus, that love you and walk with you. I pray that we are able to shed light into dark hearts, Lord. I pray that you please restore stony hearts to hearts of flesh and bring all of your children back to your kingdom so that, so that we may all be saved. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Mm-hmm. God bless you, our Heavenly Father. Amen.